welcome to Teaching Brood. Today we're going to talk about something that has a lot of people talking. Scratching their heads. Scratching their heads and attempting things and discussing in the staff rooms and that is flipped learning. Yeah. The good, the bad, and some of the ugly. And it's got, yeah, there's some misconceptions behind flipped learning and there's some things that are entirely accurate about flipped learning. I mean, the reality is a lot of times when they try to flip the classroom, it seems like an overwhelming task. When the reality is, it's not nearly as overwhelming as you think it is. But first off, let's kind of define, what, what is flipped learning? Well, let's step back even from that. And let's just clarify that if you decide to flip something, you could flip a single lesson. Yeah. So you could flip a lesson, or you could flip a unit, or you could flip your entire classroom for the full year. Yeah. The third one is the most work. Uh, for logical reasons, yeah. <laughs> and and it can be an overwhelming thing to think, oh, if I flip, I should do it the whole classroom. He's into it. Absolutely. The same way he's, he's into tech, he's into flipped learning. Um, it is successful. It, it is shown to be quite successful. Um, but don't think it has to be this approach that you take to everything you do. Don't think it's like adopting a full new program. It's not. It can be very basic and very simple. And it could be something where it's actually only geared to a certain segment of students within your classroom. Yeah. Differentiation. Exactly. Yep. So I have a partially flipped classroom. I do not flip everything. I flip some things. And a lot of my stuff ends up being flipped for the sole purpose of differentiation, to allow my students who need a bit of extra time to go home and re-understand the concept as whatever I've drawn on the board that day and explained, post up to my site, and they can go home and they can re-watch that as they're doing homework and going, oh right, that's what she meant. Mm -hmm. Instead of sitting there ready to have a complete meltdown because they knew that they were taught it, but they have no idea what it was they were supposed to do. I mean, I, I, as, as an elementary teacher, I use it more on a one-off basis or as, you know, a small, very, very small part of the unit. It's excellent for sub-days. Yes, it is. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Once we kind of, once we create a bit more of a specific definition of what it is and what it isn't, yes. uh, then we'll give you some examples of things that we've tried and things we've heard people try. So the um, flipped, ne uh, flipped Learning Network has created a definition of flipped learning and this is what they have this is a quote flipped learning is a pedagogical approach in which direct instruction moves from the group learning space to the individual learning space and the resulting group space is transformed into a dynamic interactive learning environment where the educator guides students as they apply concepts and engage creatively in the subject matter all right, sounds technical. What does that really mean? Ah, isn't that the all of life? So, when you're when you're explaining something to your kids at the front of the room, if you can record it and then have it somewhere that they can rewatch it, that for starters, that helps take it from the group learning space into the individual learning space. If you can actually do that in advance, then what can happen is instead of using that time where you've been explaining something at the front of the room on, at the board, they could actually be doing something else, an activity. And then 
the kids that really aren't getting it, you can pull to the side and re-explain things on the board. Yeah. That's kind of in a, that's the Coles Notes version. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so is there anything important we need to know about flipped learning in particular? Like, is there anything that like is a core foundation of flipped learning? Well, for starters, you need to make sure, I mean, there's a few things to keep in mind if you want to be successful with it. Mm. You don't want 20 minute videos. Fair. In fact, I, for my, my personal rule is one concept, one video. If So it could be that in a normal lesson, there may actually have been two videos made for it because there was two concepts being taught. So I want to make sure that I keep it short and I keep it sweet five minutes. And an example of that would be someone like um, Khan Academy. His videos are typically at longest eight minutes, and that's with a heavier high school concept. Your elementary concepts are typically three to four. And within one kind of lesson that he's put there, there's typically two or three different videos. Yeah. So it keeps the engagement level there. The fliplearning.org, they have the four pillars of flip. So F stands for flexible environment. And this, the strands that they have within there is establishing spaces and time frames that permit students to interact and reflect on their learning as needed. So that means they should be able to um, re-watch things, have some space in between watchings, so have, seeing something in the morning and then going back and watching again that night or a few weeks later. The teacher needs to continually observe and monitor students and make adjustments as appropriate. I mean, you do that anyway. And provide students with different ways to learn content and demonstrate mastery. Again, that's part of good teaching as well. L stands for learning culture. And you are supposed to give students opportunities to engage in meaningful activities without the teacher being central. That one can be a little bit more difficult for some. But overall, that's part of good teaching. And you want to scaffold the activities and make them accessible to all students through differentiation and feedback. You can choose how you do that. Some people, they'll give their feedback verbally. Some it's written, some something else altogether. I is intentional content. Mm. You don't need to be a talking head. Nope. Don't need to tell stories all the time. So prioritize the concepts used in direct instruction for learners to access on their own. So this has a lot to do with the goals of the flip. Yeah. Make them manageable, make them targetable, make them achievable. Create and or curate relevant content, typically videos for the students. So you, there's no need for you to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. There might be something out there already you know, Khan Academy for the math concepts is a good one. But there's a lot of teachers out there that have already created stuff for their classes and have shared it out on YouTube. Yeah. You can use it too. It's already kid-friendly. I can almost guarantee if you type in just about any concept into YouTube, you're going to find a teacher who has done something. Whether it's interesting or not is a whole different issue. I've encountered a fair few that are on the less side of engaging. Um, and do watch the content of it just to make sure oh, it's... absolutely. Pre-screen your content if you're going to show someone else's video. So it is something, the other thing is you want to pre-screen because the vocabulary may be different for your region. Yes. 
Uh, I know, and gonna target math in particular on this one. And even in the word math versus maths, if you're a UK, Australian, or New Zealand based, or very, very, and just using those three as an example, you're gonna say maths. And us North Americans have a habit of saying math. Is it a truck or a lorry? Right. And there's, and the way that that's a very basic one, but then you go into different things like. Uh, partial products is a, is a typically top method in the uh, United, in the American system of doing multiplication. Well, that's not necessarily used in all the other methods. There are other methods taught. Uh, the standard algorithm method, for example, which is often has various names as well. Um, that's used as a core content in other in other uh, curriculums throughout the world. So very much pay attention to the language being used, the words being taught, and in the lessons, and what the person is saying about that. Make sure that it does make sure it makes sense with the mission and values of the programs you're using. Finally, P, professional educator. Make yourself available to all students for individual, small group, and class feedback in real time as needed. So rather than being in front of the board, you're circulating around the room as they're doing their activities. Conduct ongoing formative assessments during class time through observation and by recording data to inform future instruction. Again, that's something that we tend to do, and you're gonna have more time to do it because you're not in front of the board anymore. And finally, collaborate and reflect with other educators and take responsibility for transforming your own practice. Really, when you're online looking for those videos that you don't want to have to remake, you're gonna be collaborating with other people, and it could be something where you've got a nice set of Quizlet flashcards for the kids to use, and you found somebody else's video, you can trade. Talk to the person, put a comment on their site, and get the conversation going about something. I mean, not, a lot of educators who post stuff on YouTube want nothing more than someone for someone to have viewed it and actually shared or talked to the person about it. They're not posting it, often, well, they're posting it for the kids, but they're often also looking for other educators to kind of start contributing getting the conversation going about what they're posting about yeah. so again it's sharing is caring exactly um, so we've got to bear that in mind with flipped classrooms um, and with the videos that you find online share talk move and the reality is we don't it's not always that everybody in your school is going to be flipping the classroom you might be the only educator in your grade level that's attempting flip classroom in various forms doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk about it with others. No, in fact, other people may be looking to see how it goes with you, and in the back of their head, they're thinking, well, if that's successful, I might try that. And the reality is, flip classrooms wouldn't have gotten successful and wouldn't have gotten popular if someone didn't have the guts to try it to begin with. Yeah. Now, the starting can be daunting. Yes. So here's how I did it. And it was really simple. I went into my classroom one day, I had a MacBook, I opened up QuickTime, I pointed it at the board, and hit record. It was that simple. Once I finished recording, I did dump it into iMovie to do a little bit of editing, but I wasn't trying to cut too much out because I had been um, keeping an eye on the time as I was teaching. So it was kind of one of the, I needed to cut out the little bit of the beginning of me clicking record and then walking up to the board and then walking back from the board. So I trimmed that out, made a couple other small trims, and then I uploaded it to YouTube. There have been others that I've done that took me, you know, an hour to record five minutes of video because as I was going through and explaining things, I was realizing that, you know, I wasn't doing a good job 
of the explanation that kids would have questions about something and because they weren't going to be doing it in class it so I'd go back and re-record things hmm. it's it can be as daunting or as undaunting as needed but it doesn't have to be through videos either for example when I'm going on a sub day um, I, I have a sub plan then I typically take an exact copy of that into an email that I'm sending to my kids. I will break it off into a few different emails, to tell you the truth. Typically I have an email per time slot. That way it's not as overwhelming to the kids and we don't and you don't lose a day, so to speak, for the sub. Um, and when you do that, the kids know where to look because they, by this point, would have been trained to get on their email. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the links. It might not, you could put a video in there if you want or you might not. You might just have, hey guys, here's what you're doing in this time and sending them to links to various sites or various things they should be doing. Um, that'll keep them on track. And it also allows you to give some points of help and clarification with you not even being there. Um, so that really helps in terms of keeping the class running smooth. If you know you're gonna be out for a conference or a sick day, or yeah. Yeah, and some teachers actually will have a couple of these lessons just set up, ready to go, just in case they're out sick. Yeah. So it's something where it may not be a continuation of your current unit, but it is something that would be valuable. It's almost a digital subfolder. Yeah, exactly. So it could, don't be daunted by it, but do start small. Yeah, a lesson or two inside a unit. Keep it basic, I mean, even if, it, even if you're like, oh, that could still be tough, then try it at a very basic concept. Like, let's say, you're trying to do, you know, what it means to be a good learner. Maybe you want to grab another teacher in, do some role plays as your flipped classroom method, and use those videos. And the other thing to keep in mind, this can be done with any age level. Yep. So I'm gonna do a shout out to the Cool Kinders blog that I found. Um, And that is a kindergarten teacher who decided to flip her classroom and the way she set it up is she knew that she had one letter for each week and she created playlists for the kids came from various sources she did some of her own videos she got some stuff from Sesame Street some stuff from other places but she created a playlist for each week of the school year for her it was very successful and she highly recommends it to other kindergarten teachers if you're looking for some guidance as an elementary teacher, there's a site um, called Flipping the Elementary Classroom. It's on johnbergman.com, and he kind of gives you the uh, idea of how to how to gear it in, how to gr- gradually bring it in to your classroom environment. And there's tons of articles linked on that about how to do it. Um, so bear that in mind. Like, there's a lot of people out there who are doing it. Um, and immediately is thought of by high school and middle school teachers, but there's a lot of stuff out there for your elementary teachers too. So, so give it a go. Try a lesson or a unit if you're very gung-ho and let us know. Yep, interesting to see how much success you have. Enjoy your year. Have fun. Bye.